Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football, with your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Thank you for joining us and welcome to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. And this week's episode is brought to you in part by MyBookie. Winning season returns at MyBookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means Survivor, Super Contest, and Squares. Sign up now and get your first deposit match dollar for dollar, all the way up to $1,000. And while you're at it, grab yourself an entry into the famed MyBookie Super Contest. What is the Super Contest and how do you play? It's simple. All you have to do is pick five NFL games against the spread each week to have a chance at $100,000 guaranteed. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash, Use promo code THEORY and double your first deposit now. It's a no-brainer. Your winning season begins today, only at my bookie. Of course, I am joined by Dan LaMagna. That is at FFCoachDan on Twitter. What's going on, Dan? John, I, I know you're so pumped up for this show tonight, being week one of the season, and we have this great content. So I thought, what a better way to start than to fire John Bauer up. So, Mitch, you'll, require, you'll uh, recall maybe a, a month ago, John and I were on the Dynasty Help Self-Help Show. You know, you were you were being a responsible human being where John and I were taking in some football and our buddies over there sent sent us these nice letters and, and these nice koozies here with their brand. It was, it was really nice. And John, you got the same things I did. But what you do not have is on my letter it says Dan, aka the Dynasty Beer Me Champ. You 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 may you may recall, John. I just I just wanted to share that nice little touch on my Letter. Thanks, Dan. I, I really appreciate every conversation we have. I'm also joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's at DinoMC on Twitter. What's going on, Mitch? What's going on, guys? Speaking of my bookie, like I'm not one to gamble on NFL games that much, but the Packers money line last week was such an easy smash. I was able to hit on it. And this upcoming week, I'm feeling the Packers again, guys. I don't know about you, but Detroit sucks and Packers are only favored by five. That's a pretty easy bet in my book. And that's coming from a Lions fan. That, that a lot of hope there. And that's very encouraging yeah. for Mitch to, to go against Lions. Dan would never go against his Cowboys, ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's a disease. It's a disease. Man, Mitch and I are hurting this week, John. Kudos yep. to your Steelers, man. You know what? Yeah, that's great. But I'm more worried about my 64% win percentage for oh, my that's dynasty it? rosters. I, mean, I know I Mitch was right around 70. I know. That's okay. I mean, that's good, I guess. All right. So I don't want to sit here and have Mitch toot his own horn. If his head gets any bigger, it's not going to fit on the screen, Dan. So we got to get going here. <laughs> I do have a big head. One of the things we want to talk about is the immediate impact that we saw in week one from the rookie running backs. So when you compare it to, and I saw a great tweet about this, and looking back at the 2017 class, because if you look at it, that's the uh, measuring stick, basically. You had Dalvin Cook, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette. They all hit 100 yards in week one of their rookie year. Then you had McCaffrey with 47 yards, Chris Carson, Mack, Kamara, and then Joe Mixon with nine. They kind of brought up the rear, but it just kind of shows you how good this class could be. And it's not, oh, in two or three years. It's today. It's right now. So, Mitch, let's start with you. What are your overall thoughts here just on this incoming, <coughs> not incoming, they're here. So on this rookie uh, running back class, what are your thoughts? 
it's living up to the hype. I mean, that's for sure. We had CH coming in. Everyone was touting him, and there was a big fight between him and Jonathan Taylor, and it looks like they're both just going to start smashing in week two. Akers is leaving a little bit, but you look at Dobbins. Dobbins was the starter in the second half of the Ravens last week, and I know we're going to dive into Swift a little bit later, but he's in a very excellent spot as well. So I like anybody who didn't draft a wide receiver high and took all all running backs and left the quarterbacks you know to drop a little bit i think you're in good shape yeah and it, when we always talk about it because the curve for these wide receivers typically it does take a little bit of time but like we said these running backs they're popping off the charts week one dan what's the biggest thing that stood out to you here with this rookie running back class how elite it is to start you know we look at clyde edwards alaire jonathan taylor and dobbins love them going in they passed the eye test. We heard great things in the preseason, and they rocked it this week with their opportunities only going to rise. You know, mentioned it, you know, observed how Dobbins started in the second half. He had those touchdowns. You know, he may not get them all the time. I'm sure Ingram's going to, get, you know, get some, but he's the real deal, and he's only going to get better. My Marlon Mack, my, my, my preseason darling's out for the year. Wow, does that lend an opportunity for, for Taylor there? And I just think they are elite. Where we go back to last year's class of, you know, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, and David Montgomery. I kind of put them with like Cam Akers and DeAndre Swift. They're good. Want them on our rosters. But then when you want to do a deep dive, Joshua Kelly looked great. Antonio Gibson, I, I think the potential is still there. I know, Mitch, and we you know Barber's snaking him in that. But he averaged four yards a carry. He's still developing. And uh, I'm going to go a deep dive tonight. J.J. Taylor of the New England Patriots. Watch that little pinball machine, man. He was getting some, some burn there and – Maybe a future James White in him. We'll see. Yeah, I think he saw the field for about nine or ten snaps there. Now, yeah. h- how much of that had to do with their opponent? And then you look across the board with, you know, let's talk about the Patriots for a minute while you brought up J.J. Taylor. But you had Burkhead, Michelle, White, across the board, 30% snap rate. 30% every single one of them. For me, that backfield right now, it's a pit of despair. I want nothing to do with it for fantasy purposes. Even James White, I don't feel comfortable throwing him in there. And people are so worried, and we're going to get into it as the show progresses, I'm sure. People are so worried about Austin Eckler and what we saw there in week one with the lack of targets. One target, a guy that his value really depends on that that big target share. James White, he's a lesser version of that. Mm -hmm. And now you have a scrambling quarterback there and I, I just don't think James White really – I don't think there's going to be much there as long as Cam Newton's the quarterback. Don't overreact, though, John. This is the overreaction week one show here. You can't, you can't just bail on James White there. I think Cam showed he, he's – I mean, I'm, 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 not, I'm not cutting him off my dynasty teams. I'm not right. bailing on anybody. I'm just saying I don't think – it's going to be tough to throw him in a lineup and he's dropping in four or five points on a weekly basis. Yeah. Unless you're in a pay- really deep dynasty league. I think it's one, you keep him on your bench. You monitor it week to week. You see how that ev- that offense evolves. It is week one. It's Cam's first game with really no preseason with a brand-new team. Uh, hopefully they develop and get better as the year goes along. All right, so we, we talked a little bit about the Patriots. You brought up J.J. Taylor. Really didn't think we were going to spend too much time on him. <laughs> but I want to talk about two of the running backs very quickly that there was hype, and you already brought up one of them, but Antonio Gibson, and he was snaked. Pey- uh, Peyton Barber. He stole two touchdowns, and if you are, and Mitch, I think you had a tweet about this, but if you're one of the box score watchers or you just scroll down Yahoo, 
or my fantasy league and you look at the fantasy points, you're thinking, okay, Antonio Gibson, there was so much hype surrounding him heading into week one. I, I don't know if he's going to really have much to offer. Peyton Barber, look how many fantasy points he had. They're going to, I think that's going to shift to Antonio Gibson eventually. And you both know I was not very high on him for several reasons. One, it was the lack of college production and usage, but then going to Washington at this time, Geis was there. I think eventually he is going to take over there. And Peyton Barber is only going to be a plotter for so long. Mitch, um, what, what are your thoughts there on Antonio Gibson? We know that Dan's all, all about him. Yeah, I was going to actually bring him up a little bit later as someone that, like, I'll never start him. Like, I honestly don't see him taking over for Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber is Frank Gore. Peyton Barber is Malcolm Brown. He is a guy that's going to get enough carries. And he actually saw a lot more red zone carries than Gibson did. I think Gibson had one, got stuffed, and he didn't see another one after that. Peyton Barber is going to be just, he's going to give, give you eight points a week. And Gibson can give you anywhere from two to three to maybe 12. But he could just give you a flat out zero. But let, Okay, so the snap share for all three of these running backs, Gibson, Barber, McKissick, Gibson was at 26%. Mitch, you don't think it's reasonable to think that goes up? Barber, 41%. The big issue here in the hurdle is McKissick, 44%, mm -hmm. which I don't know if many people are talking about him because he's not really a fantasy producer at this point, but he's just one of those cloggers that's in there. He's taking up valuable time. I exactly. think maybe McKissick and, and Gibson can flip and flop there. Which would be the worst thing possible for Gibson. You want Gibson because you want that passing down work. McKissick's taking it over, then what's Gibson really giving you? Is he going to give you that 7% target share that he got this week? It's not something that I want on my teams. Someone else can take that shot by all means, please. But who is he competing with for, for touches and targets? I, I know for, for carries, I know it's going to be Frank Gore Jr. there in Peyton Barber. But uh, you're, you're too kind with the Frank, Frank Gore comps. Frank Gore is a Hall of Famer. No, he is not. <laughs> Peyton Anyways. Barber is okay, Frank Gore is, is Frank Gore is a Hall of Famer. He's, he's on lock for the Hall of Fame, Mitch. Oh my God, JB, JB. Anyway, it, there's there's no comp. We're not comparing the two. Just simply that he is taking up valuable touches the way that Frank Gore has done in right. recent years. Every Carlos Hyde is that a lot better? I need a timeout. I need a timeout here, guys. The coach of me is coming out right now. This is week one. Nobody's coming. Riverboat Ron is managing the game to win. He's got a very young offense, and it comes down to trust. You know what Peyton Barber is? He's a very smart, hardworking football player. I can guarantee you on the practice field every week, he's busting his tail, and he just knows the playbook inside out, and he gives him a veteran presence. But he still only averaged like 1.8 yards per carry. That's only going to go so long throughout the season until Gibson is ready. When it comes down to needing to win games and needing a playmaker – Gibson's reps are going to go. This is dynasty theory, not Dan, redraft. Dan, let me he ask who, who, who are you preaching to right now? Because Mitch, before you interrupt, okay, okay. Hold on, hold on. One, one second, Mitchell, JB. One second, Dan. You just said that this this is dynasty. This isn't redraft. We have seen from our group chats today, dynasty might as well be redraft right now. People have lost <laughs> their first week, and they already want to blow up their team just for draft picks. I mean that. That's just the way that Dynasty is for the next 16 weeks. And and that's where we come in here, right? Dynasty theory to tell them to be patient, hang in there. Maybe Gibson's not going to be week one through four to your point, Mitchell. Right now it is Peyton Barber time. But when we get late in the season, don't panic on Antonio Gibson. He did look good during game day. But he when did. it came down to the game on the line, they're going to put in the guy that they know all the different pass protections, all the different schemes. 
there are plays that might be setting up for McLaurin that they need Barber in there. So, cause Gibson's still learning the offense. He's still learning how to be an NFL player. You shouldn't be on okay. your roster in the first place. All right. So for me, Dan, you're out of timeouts for the rest of the night. I, I <laughs> let me get through a sentence, please. Anyway, so Antonio Gibson, he is going to, he's going to take over eventually, I believe, and, and get a majority of the work, but the big bump in value that we're going to see sooner rather than later is that swap with McKissick where Antonio Gibson seeing 40 plus percent of the snaps and McKissick's down to that 20% range looking at, and Mitch, we've talked about this multiple times throughout the off season and last year, success rates for running backs, Gibson and Barber, they actually were fairly similar. So I, I do think, like I said, Barber is going to be pesky. He's going to hang around, but I want to see that flip with McKissick here. And then one other running back that had a lot of hype that we did not see much of. And I, I was told he was going to take over for Aaron Jones immediately. AJ Dillon, he had two carries, guys. What are our thoughts here? Because last year I was off of Aaron Jones strictly because of his price and, you know, obviously the contract. But then his price dipped so low during the offseason that I was all about it. And then after they drafted AJ Dillon, I was even more about it because he kept dropping. So for me, I was happy to see the Aaron Jones. Yeah, it wasn't a great week, but it was still back end running back one, which I, I thought the running back scoring was really low for the most part this week. You had a few guys that really popped at the top and then it was just kind of stagnant. Yeah, I, I was kind of excited that AJ Dillon didn't see too much work, but I think a lot of people expected. And Dan, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, it definitely made me feel good about the Aaron Jones shares that I have. I mean, he's the guy. It's clear. Nothing's changed there. I think, you know, anyone who has Aaron Jones was a little bit worried that'd be too much of a rotation there. It does make you wonder what the Green Bay Packers were doing, investing such heavy draft capital, and he can't even sniff the field. Again, maybe it's more of a long-term prognosis and just having depth that, you know, Green Bay has had injuries in past seasons to Jones and Williams. So I think if you have them, you hang on to them, you got to be even more patient than Antonio Gibson, who we were just talking about. I think, you know, we all agree, at least Gibson's in the rotation where Dylan, it's going to be further down the road. And some offenses are more complicated than others. Who knows how complicated it is? Who knows why he's not seeing the field yet? But you got to be patient. And then we saw the kind of story come out that Jamal Williams is going to get work in the passing game. And he saw the field. He was out there a little bit. But Mitch, right now, Aaron Jones, what's your thought on not just the rest of the season, but maybe does he get a contract extension? Does that get worked out? It seemed like there might have been talks that that was in the works. Maybe it is. He's someone to where if you have him on your team, he's just a flat hold right now. Because when you trade him, you're not going to get what you could actually get, you know, on the field this year. So, and if you go out and trade for him, you're probably going to have to pay a little bit extra in that case too. So for me, he is just a flat hold. I'm super happy to have him on my team because I think the Packers are going, they could be the best team of the NFC this year. And it's someone that nobody talked about. And we could call an overreaction if we want to. But the Packers were 13 to three last year. Their defense looks even better this year. And so that gives Aaron Jones that much better game script. And throughout the offseason, Mitch, you talked about a pissed off Aaron Rodgers. That's and I right. I think that's exactly what we saw there in week one. They did whoop up on Minnesota. And uh, JB, I think you get an attaboy there as you got that Devontae Adams in the back. I'm sure uh, reason for celebration, yes? Really quick, right now, the wide receiver one, the wide receiver two <laughs> overall through week one, Devontae Adams. And then my man, Mr. Calvin Ridley, who I was told was going to be a big bust this year. Oh, man. My legs are tired from doing that victory lap in week one. Mitch, you like that but layup to John there? We didn't that even was talk very about good. that pre-show. That was just an alley-oop, man. Way to take so, it, hey, baby. So, hey, while we're talking about jerseys behind us, 
there's someone who I've re- I want we hit on rookies a little bit, but I really want to get into the DeAndre Swift stuff. Well, because, we, we weren't done with the rookies, but yeah, let's oh, go into okay, DeAndre sorry, Swift. Sorry, no, you're, so, no, take it away. Uh, it's going to take me a minute to get through the whole thing, but if or I'll ask you, Dan, what is the sentiment right now about DeAndre Swift in Week One? What's like the general consensus based on the reactions we're talking about? As you mentioned, Mitch, everyone shifting like in redraft mode and panicking, but. I think he's going to be fine. You know, I mean, Adrian Peterson's still older than dust and they're out on carry on Johnson. I mean, Hey, they gave him a chance to win the game at the end. He was wide open, you know, rookie mistake. He'll bounce back. He'll probably be hungrier as ever next week. And I think he'll be fine. I'm more worried about you, Mitch. If, if my team lost the game that way, I'd, I'd be on a uh, John would be calling the house to make sure I'm okay. Nah, dude, I'm a Lions fan. I'm used to that stuff. I expect <laughs> it now. But so uh, the reason why I want to bring that up is so going into the game, DeAndre Swift, he was limited all week long. And everyone knew like this wasn't going to be a week till to where he got all the touches because he was he's been out pretty much for the last three weeks of training camp, whatever we want to call it at this point. There was no preseason. I mean, Mitch, can you imagine being a rookie running back and playing your first NFL game without one preseason snap? Oh. I'll turn it back to you. So the reason why I brought that up is because now if you go on Twitter, everyone's like, well, this is Adrian Peterson's backfield. Look at how horrible the Detroit Lions did. This was the best game script that Adrian Peterson could ever dream for as coming into the Lions. Lions were up by 16 points going into the fourth quarter. Now, if you go out and ask everybody who got more snaps, Adrian Peterson or DeAndre Swift, DeAndre Swift had more snaps. Who had more routes? DeAndre Swift. All that we saw that happened is Adrian Peterson got the carries, which we were always expecting going into the game. What do we see after that? DeAndre Swift is getting all the third down work. He got the red zone carry that got the touchdown and he still, and his role is solidified. He is the, that third down roll back. That's what he is going to do. So I will tell you this week two, he will be in every DFS lineup I have. He will be on every dynasty lineup on every team I have him in. He is an absolute smash and people are absolutely sleeping on him. I like DeAndre Swift a lot now. And that's because of the constant nagging and preaching by Mitch. Because again, I, I liked him pre-draft. He went to, went to Detroit. I kind of fizzled on him strictly because of the landing spot. And I definitely overestimated that and I overvalued that. But looking at it now, he ran 23 routes in week one. 23. That is the most of any rookie running back. If you would tell me that, and, th- and that was a game, that was a game where they were leading most of it. And now next week they're going against Green Bay with that pissed off Aaron Rodgers. And they're going to light them up. They're going to have to throw. Mm -hmm. The only issue is that he's not seeing a lot of that first and second down work. But again, we constantly talk about, well, we want our running backs to catch passes. He's going to do that. Carry on Johnson. He is not going to be a threat. We saw that immediately here as the 2020 season kicked off. Adrian Peterson, as the season goes on, we have a question from Joey and Mitch. We'll let you have a first crack at it. What week do we expect Swift to spell Adrian Peterson and carry on Johnson and get the load? I never expect him to. Like, I don't think he's ever going to take over and get a 65% market share. He's always going to be the guy to where he gets probably an Alvin Kamara type of role, but he's going to get all of the passing game work and he's going to get red zone carries. Well, and that's what you want. I mean, he isn't Jonathan Taylor or Clyde Edwards-Alaire this year, but he's just right behind him. Here, let me ask you. Let's say he averages, it's in season end, 13 to 15 fantasy points per game in PPR, and you know 15 that puts him at what? 
240 right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I mean, that, that would be running back one territory probably, but let's say he comes in like running back 18 and they don't resign Adrian Peterson. It's a two man show. And we know that after the draft, what is his startup price in May next year? I oh. think it's first two, first two rounds. Yeah. Easy, easy without a doubt, because Dalvin's going to be dropping. Do you think two, two Dan? I think in the round, round two, he goes. Ben says Green Bay has some great pass rushers, and I can see Stafford dumping off plenty next week. I like this chat. It's very pro DeAndre Swift. If he catches that touchdown at the end of the game, this conversation is completely different. The sentiment on Twitter is completely different. We're talking about him, maybe not the same breath as Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Jonathan Taylor, but it's that immediate breath right after. Maybe you get like half a breath, and then you transition into that. I want to spend a little bit of time on J.K. Dobbins. Like you said, Mitch, he started the second half. But again, if you look at just strictly, I mean, Mark Ingram didn't get many carries in that game. But if you look at the box score and you see J.K. Dobbins, it was like seven carries, 20 yards, two touchdowns. Oh, well, he got the touchdown work. He got the red zone work. Yes, he had the only two carries, I think, inside the five-yard line by running backs. And last year, if you guys remember, all season, because I was so high on Mark Ingram, Oh, well, he's his value, it's inflated because of his the touchdowns, and that's going to drop. It never dropped. And if you get a, a, a player like J.K. Dobbins in that situation, why I liked him so much after he landed in Baltimore, I think the sky is the limit. That touchdown upside is always going to be there. Dan, what are your thoughts on Mr. J.K. Dobbins? I love Dobbins. His stock's just going through the roof for me. He wears my number 27. He's catching balls. He's getting red zone work. He's super fast. Ingram's only going to get older, and and I think by next year Dobbins is going to be the guy, and I think he will no, be. No, no, we don't know. We don't know that Mark Ingram isn't in fact Benjamin Button. Maybe he's getting younger. We don't know that. Yeah. I just think Dobbins is too good, and by next year it's it's going to be clearly Dobbins. But even this year, I think you want to have him. And I think the one thing Dobbins has and Clyde Edwards-Alaire has that no one else does is just powerhouse offenses. The weapons on those teams are just unreal. I think you're looking at 30 plus points just about most weeks. You can't key on the run. Lamar pulls it out. He's going to run it. He's got Marquise Brown. We saw him play great this week. We saw Mark Andrews play awesome this week. And even the role players are, are stepping up that offense. Boykin, Snead, they're getting for a great season, guys. So I'd be all over Dobbins. But good luck getting him if you don't have him. Well, good thing that I have him in most leagues. And, <laughs> well, unfortunately, not most leagues, but it's a good amount of leagues. And we had a question from Ben. He said he's done no research on Baltimore versus Cleveland. Fill me in. It was an interesting game, and it was a very sloppy game by that Cleveland offense. Very sloppy. I mean, I'm going to talk about this later, later but the Ravens' defense is Wait, I prob- thought something was wrong. You look so concerned. I was like, oh, oh gosh, what's going oh, on? No, no, we're good. Sorry, dude. No, I was just going to add that the Ravens' defense is so good that I don't think we could hold a lot against the Browns right now because how good that Ravens' defense is. Really good against the run. Yeah, I mean, guys, I watched every snap of that game because that was like my DFS play of the week. I stacked the triple stacked the the Ravens there, and then I, I played it back with OBJ, and they couldn't run. I mean, it was they couldn't really do anything. Ba- Baker looked just lost. Um, you know, Beckham got targets, but he was smothered. So you, to your point, Mitch, that Ravens defense did look j- legit, but the Browns still do have some issues. They've had some things they're going to have to fix when they play the big boys. Now, we're going to talk about this in the next segment as well, because I want to talk about from the Browns perspective, but I, I'm i shocked, actually. And I know some people called it, so props to them. 
But I thought it was going to take a while for J.K. Dobbins to kind of take over this backfield. I'm not saying he completely took it over because they had a sizable lead. Maybe that played into it a little bit. But Mark Ingram coming out on the bench in the second half, J.K. Dobbins leading that backfield with 40% snap share somewhere around there. I'd have to double check that one. But it, everything's pointing up there for Mr. J.K. Dobbins. And I will take an L in week one, boys. Hollywood <laughs> Brown. Hollywood Brown. Mitch, I think you might be on mute, but... I was. I okay. didn't want to bother everybody with my clapping, but... Yeah, yeah, you celebrated. But I, I'll own it. I'll own it. One last rookie. You know, we talked about Acres. We'll get to that a little bit later because I want to talk about that split there with Malcolm Brown. Uh, James Robinson... He looked, he looked very serviceable there in Jacksonville. Josh Kelly getting a lot of the goal line work. And we'll talk about that with Austin Eckler here in the next segment. We touched on Gibson, Dobbins, Taylor. I mean, there's not much to go into detail there. Mac is out. It's the Jonathan Taylor show with Naheem Hines being involved in the passing game. But Jonathan Taylor also saw targets. Zach Moss, that's the last one I want to talk about here. He got bailed out by a touchdown. Can I say it? Can I it say was, it? It was really lucky. I mean, his snap share wasn't good. He got a couple of those red zone carries, but none of them paid off. I mean, he got super, super lucky to get that red zone touchdown. No, and his value, his his big bump was based on that red zone work. He had three carries inside the five. Guess how many of them he cashed in for a touchdown? Zero. Now, is he Frank Gore Jr.? Is he not being able to get it into the end zone? Dan, what are your thoughts? Because all offseason, it's been a hot topic throughout Twitter, but also on Dynasty Theory. We've talked about Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. Did it kind of play out how you expected? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, Buffalo Bills are a passing team with Josh Allen running. You know, Allen's their leading rusher. Diggs is a superstar. Uh, John, Smokey Brown now has help. He opened up and played well. The bees is still getting peppered with, with, with targets. And I think for Moss, I go back to, you know, just the coach and me taking that it's week one, you know, some rookies are just going to need time. Yeah. He looked, you know, average running. He held his own in pass block and he did catch that touchdown. It was lucky, but he caught it. He didn't drop it. So, I mean, six points is six points. I think, he didn't do anything to help his stock this week, but if you were a Zach Moss believer in the preseason, I don't think he did anything to say it's it's time to sell, but I'm not excited. And uh, we have a comment. He got some reception, some receiving work. Isn't that what we thought he might do? Yeah, but Devin Singletary, I believe he saw six targets as well. So he is That's not going anywhere. I was going to say Moss only had four targets and Singletary had seven. So oh, was yeah, it seven? Singletary is still getting that you know third down role, even though they didn't need it at all this game. Makes me and feel it, good about Singletary where I have him, you know, uh-huh. if I need to start him. Right, and we're not saying Moss, again, just like we talked about the other rookies. It's not week one, oh, this is your role for the rest of the season. It's not going to change because it absolutely could. But both of them, Singletary and Moss, when you look at their success rate, it was well below league average, which was like 52%. And I think they were in the 30s possibly, maybe even the high 20s. So neither one looked great. But we do know that that Jets rush defense was pretty strong last year. It was it was very strong. So I don't think that's – I wouldn't look into it too much and take too much away from it. But those that thought Zach Moss was going to come in and just steal the spot immediately, they're going to have to wait at least one more week and we'll kind of see how it goes. John, before uh, we cl- close out on rookie running backs and shift gears, I, just, I don't even want to talk about this guy, but I just want to throw out a name for the listeners to remember because he didn't play this week. He was hurt and then – 
you know, we just seem to forget those guys because they didn't play. That's Darrington Evans of the Tennessee Titans. There is absolutely nobody behind Derrick Henry. And at some point, he's going to need some help. And this kid flashed in the preseason. They said he looked pretty electric. So just keep him on your radar. And he's he's a guy that I talked about all offseason. He's not going to be a bell cow if Derrick Henry goes down. But he's going to be able to contribute in the passing game. And I think it's going to be a better, younger version of Deion Lewis than what we saw when he was there in Tennessee. So that's kind of our rundown of the rookies here. And before we get over to our next segment, we are going to cut away a word from our sponsor. The 2020 fantasy football season is finally upon us. And due to quarantine, guys, it's very possible that you might have Ezekiel Elliott's haircut in your pants. And that's exactly why our partners over at Manscaped want to make sure you don't gamble on shaving your balls the same way you like to gamble on football. When it comes to men's hygiene, Manscaped is as good and safe as Christian McCaffrey in a PPR league. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. No one likes an ungroomed set of feet, fingers, and most importantly, balls. That's why they have forever changed the grooming game with the Perfect Package 3.0, which comes with the new and improved lawnmower, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for some of your liquid formulations, and that includes the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. You're going to get the Shed Travel Bag and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. So go over to manscaped.com, use code THEORY20, get 20% off and free shipping. Again, that's code THEORY20 for 20% off and free shipping over at manscaped.com. Go check it out. You're going to love it. All right, so this next segment, we're going to talk about some of the overreactions. And I'm not sure any of the situations or players that you guys want to bring to the table, but I have a few and I want to throw it out to you. And let me know if I'm overreacting here. This first one, I feel like I was wrong about heading into this season because I thought Kareem Hunt was going to get a majority of the passing down work and we were going to see Nick Chubb, you know, get a lot of the the rushing attempts. But was it game script? Was it the tough matchup against the Baltimore Ravens? But Nick Chubb, he was outperformed by Kareem Hunt again. Is it time to hit the panic button, Mitch? Not for me. This one, this is one of the, where some, where an offense came out and played a really elite defense. I'm kind of throwing those games out because I was talking to Dan about this a couple of weeks ago through DMs. A good defense will always be ahead of a good offense at this point of the, point of the year. And so when you have someone that is so good going against an offense that's having their first game in a new system, I'm not really worried about that at all. Because we know Nick Chubb is a game dependent back you know if they're down by 20 points he isn't going to see the field and so i think it'll be a pretty good barometer going against cincinnati here in a couple days on you know if this happens again then i'm going to be really worried but if he comes out you know has a 20 carry game then i won't be worried about it at all now let's forget about fantasy points i'm gonna sit here and be box score watchers or just look at mfl or yahoo or espn but when we talk about success rates nick chubb had a 30 percent success rate carrying the ball Kareem Hunt, 54%. For me, that was the biggest concern because you're putting them on an even playing field and you're saying, how do they perform in different scenarios and was it a successful outcome? Kareem Hunt, almost twice as many successful outcomes on a per-touch basis carrying the ball than Nick Chubb, and that's my biggest concern. I'm going a different direction here, JB. I'm, I'm, you know, Mitch, I think our conversation got dated, man. Uh, you know, I, I agree with your points. 
But in watching that game closely, I think for Chubb specific, am I worried about him as a talented player? No. I, I think the guy's an amazing running back. But where I am worried, a lot of us, we took Chubb as a first-round pick. Depending on when in the offseason, you know, maybe he was early second. But we have high stock on him, so we expect him to be a big contributor to our fantasy teams. When you watch that game, I think it's a little different than game script. Because to me, if it was game script and they're just throwing the ball and they want Hunt to catch the ball, I'd say, okay, yes. But they were running the ball with Kareem Hunt. I mean, they were just feeding him the rock and not Chubb. And then Chubb finally came in to give him a breather because he was gassed Hunt. And then Chubb fumbled. And, and, you know, he was just trying to make something happen and probably ticked off because he was on the bench so long. I'm starting to believe that the Cleveland Brass, and we heard this when Hunt signed his big contract, his two-year extension, that they really love Kareem Hunt. And I'm starting to think they view him as their RB1. And Chubb's going to be RB1B, RB2, which – Hey, I like to have him on my team, but uh, I hope he—I hope he's not taking you to the championship as far as your expectations. And again, this isn't selling. Well, sorry, this isn't trading Nick Chubb for the sake of trading him. I'm not saying go out there and just ship him off your team, but there is a pause for concern. So if you're looking at it strictly from a 2020 perspective, maybe you have a contingency plan in place. I have several teams that I—I I have both of those guys. Maybe I see how it goes against Cincinnati, like Mitch said, and moving forward. Kareem Hunt might slide into that starting role. Mitch, before we move on, any other points there? Because like you said, you're really not concerned. But Yeah, like, especially for Dan saying that, because I know how down Dan has been on Kareem Hunt, especially, you know, with all of his off-the-field issues. So Dan saying that, you know, he watched that whole game. You know, I watched probably 50% of it. So if that's what Dan's saying, then I'm definitely going to be, you know, more on that side. It's right. something to watch, Mitch. You know, like, would you guys feel confident? Like, I would... I would give. I would take a number one draft pick right now for Nick Chubb. But any, I, I don't. Any twenty twenty one first. Depending on my roster, if I have two good running backs, I and I get. I'm really worried about his role being a contributor on our teams, unless the game script's perfect. And I, I would need more than a twenty twenty one first. There's no way in hell that I'm moving him for a twenty twenty one first, unless it's your from. Brain on that. Unless it's from one of Mitch's teams, and we know it's probably going to be a 101 or 102, and then I would feel pretty confident there. But, Dan, (laughs) I I don't want to rattle through all of my situations and guys right now. Do you have anybody here that you see things on Twitter or league chats, and you're like, guys, let's not overreact, that kind of fits the bill here? I hope nobody's excited about Mitch Trubisky and the Bears. Let me me start there. You know, everyone's talking about, hey, they ran the ball well, and Trubisky brought him back. And, again, one of them where when you watch the game closely – and Mitch knows he's a Lions fan. Their defensive secondary went in there thin. During that game, two secondary guys went out. So their already thin secondary got even weaker. So, JB, you could, you could have hit Mitch on a nine route there and probably scored during that game. And then their top linebacker, Jamie Collins, gets ejected for getting a little too close to the official. So you lose your top guy, your top guy in the front seven and two of your secondary guys. Man, the Bears were just kind of like destined to come back. If they didn't, there'd really be something wrong. So I wouldn't be too high on Mitch and the, the Bears moving ahead because the competition's only going to get tougher. And hopefully the, the Lions get healthier and Mitch has a little more luck uh, moving forward. All right, not Mitchell Trubisky, but does that include David Montgomery? Because I think you and I might have a little throwdown here then. <laughs> I'm more looking at the passing game going against that depleted secondary. Um, you know, with the run game where I'd be worried about Montgomery, JB, is the, in the matchups. I think it would be matchup specific, you know, because I think there are going to be games like they're going to have to be throwing to come from behind. And I see I'd be playing their defenses in DFS. I'm just really concerned about the Bears. I don't think they'll be lucky to have a depleted secondary and a linebacker getting ejected like they did this weekend. And this game was tough because, like we said earlier, 
the Bears fell behind. Tariq Cohen actually outsnapped David Montgomery. But on the ground, David Montgomery, we talked about success rate, 62% success rate, about 10 points higher than the league average. Yes, it was against Detroit, but still, he actually looked pretty good. So maybe we can chalk it up to a little bit of the groin issue lingering. They wanted to ease him into it. Give the man the ball. I'm I'm screaming from the mountaintops for my 30-plus percent roster ship here. Please give the man the ball. JB, I think he's looking like a guy right now that you're just going to have to be patient on. Because yeah. he is, they said that after that groin injury, I think it was Tariq Cohen said it was more the media reacting to that groin injury than anyone else because he's fine. They're like, he, he's just crushing it in practice this week. The guy's just a hard runner. He's just limited by his team and his offense. You know, so well, let's see what the Bears do over the course of time. Mitch, any thoughts on the the Bears? I, I, I don't know if anybody's necessarily excited about Mitchell Trubisky, even though I did have that great tweet Sunday morning that I had a feeling about Mitchell Trubisky. And then whenever they fell behind, I retweeted it and said, uh, no, I never said that. And then whenever he came back at the end, I said, oh, yes, I knew it all along. I mean, the good thing is their defense will keep them in most games. That's just something that's what's going to happen. But moving forward, it's you only have three guys you could play. If you're in Superflex, you can play Trubisky. You have Montgomery running back and you have Allen Robinson. No one else is playable right now on that team. You can maybe see Terry Cohen. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, he is your flex. You have a couple of injuries and that's what he put him in. So as of right now, Chicago is just a team. We know who we might start each week. And after that, probably not much to talk about. Mitch, is this an overreaction? And you can actually critique a trade I made earlier. Of course, I'm a contender. I'm always a contender. Uh But I moved what's going to be the 212, because there's no way I'm not waiting. So a second rounder. (laughs) Or it could be 201. We'll see how the next (laughs) few weeks go for Malcolm Brown. JB has so many scenarios that he has everything covered. (laughs) He is always a winner. He's got rebuild models. He's got it all. Hey, Malcolm... Malcolm Brown, JB, you're, you're winning me over. I got two shares this week in, in the spirit of John Bauer. And uh, I didn't even plan on getting him, but there were teams where my running back situation wasn't, wasn't as strong as other teams. And, and I didn't have to give a lot for him. 60% snap share, 72% success rate compared to Cam Akers, 43% success rate, 33% snap rate. Malcolm Brown, 12th with 21 routes run. Out of all running backs, he came in 12th. Two carries inside the five-yard line. Mitch, was that an overreaction by me? Or are you saying, JB, maybe that maybe you shouldn't move that second? No, that's perfect. So different player, exact same situation. I traded a second for James Robinson. And I think they're kind of the same spot. They're not guys you really care about moving forward. But for the foreseeable future, they're going to be their guys back who gets 60% of the touches each week. And if you could get that, trading a second form early in the season, if you're going to be a contender, what are you going to get with that 210 pick? I mean, 212, 2-12, 2-12. Yeah, I'm saying even if you don't end up winning, like no, you don't no. even know who it's going to be at this point. So give me the commodity right now. How many weeks is this going to have to happen? Because I think it's going to continue. Malcolm Brown, if you watch that game, he looked very good. He looked much better than Cam Akers. This isn't looking at the box score. This isn't looking at the fantasy points. This is watching the game. And then you can look at the the analytics and the metrics. To It lines up. So I know Mitch and I, we kind of talk about the analytics a little bit more. Dan watches the film. But Dan, like you said, you went out and you got him in a few leagues. You have to admit, he popped during that game. 
He did. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out the first series or two because Dallas defense didn't show up. They were figuring out how to play football, but as the game went on, he was still steady. He did look good. He looked like the best guy. I think the only concern JB is just him staying healthy over the course of the season. You just don't want to open that window at some point to Cam Akers when he starts getting really comfortable and is developing his game. Henderson's still there. It is a little bit of a three headed monster. So there's things to be aware of and watch the week to week. But if you get him at a good price and he does stay healthy and he doesn't open that door for someone to sneak in there, you've got yourself a solid flex play. So how many weeks is it going to happen for Cam Akers truthers to say maybe at least this year isn't Cam's year? Or do you think that fan base is just so yep. d- die hard? They're, no, no, it's going to happen next week, next week, yeah, next week. It doesn't matter because if it doesn't happen this year, you'll be like, well, next year it's going to happen. Like he, he was really young coming in. So when he's 22 – He's going to really hit it at that point. Now, you're not just bitter about Cam Akers because Keyshawn Vaughn is uh, – is he bagging groceries now? I don't know what he's doing, but it's definitely not playing football. All right, Mitch, you have something else here? Yeah, so here's an overreaction for you two. And I'm dead serious about this. This is how I have it set right now. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Jonathan Taylor are running backs four and five for me in Dynasty right now. The only backs I would not trade for them is CMC, Barkley, and Zeke. Dalvin Cook, I would trade Dalvin in every single league today for either one of those guys. I would trade Kamara as well. I have no issue with that. Not only are you rewinding the clock on their age, but the contract situations. Even though, yes, Dalvin Cook just signed the the contract, but I mean, I I have to look at details. I'm going to guess most of them, they're guaranteed for maybe two years, and then there's going to be an out there somewhere along the way. Dan, I have a scenario here. Mitch, did you have anything else there? No, that was it. Dan, this one is specifically for you because, well, you'll you'll find out in a second. Only six carries for Chris Carson. And we knew that he was going to get the workload on the ground. And it seems like if somebody doesn't line up with the narrative from the offseason, they're knocked. Austin Eckler didn't get the passing work. People now hate him. Chris Carson didn't get the work on the ground. And I saw tweets. He was bailed out, bailed out by two touchdowns. But 18 routes run, and I think, what, six uh, six targets. That actually ties his career high. How are you feeling about Chris Carson? Do you think Carlos Hyde's going to cut into his workload too much here moving forward? So I still feel good about Chris Carson, and I think we are going back in time to Carson Penny. When Penny was healthy and he was still getting some stats, Carson was still the main guy. He still got the most of the stats. He's, you're still starting him every week and feeling confident about him. But I think you've got to accept that Carlos Hyde is going to get some work. I mean, it's just the way the Seattle offense is. They grind, they rotate, you know, occasionally Hyde's going to get a hot hand and they're, they're, they're going to put him in the red zone. It's going to tick you and me off, JB. But then we're going to have those weeks where Carson has 100 yards, two touchdowns, whether it be in the ground or the air. So I like him. I just think we're going back to Carson Penny, except for now it's Carson and Hyde. But what would you have said if somebody told you, hey, Dan, Chris Carson, he's going to get 90 targets in 2020. You would have blown a freaking gasket. We would have loved it. <laughs> we would have loved it because now it looks like they're finally maybe ready to unleash Russell Wilson. He was, what, oh. 31 of 35? Absurd. And this is making Mitch's guy, Tyler Lockett, look pretty good. Yeah, really good. Just thank you for not saying let Russ cook. That is I, like I, the worst. I hate it so much. Free Russ, man. How about that? Yeah, I, that I was that would be Russ. a lot better. Okay, what's worse? Dan. Let Russ cook or Mr. Unlimited? Joey wants to know. What's worse? What's more cringeworthy? 
I like let let Russ cook. Sorry, Mitch. I, I've I've been oh. on the, this free Russ bandwagon here, so I'm all right with it, man. I'm gonna go with Mister Unlimited for uh, Joey's question. Mitch, what do you think? I think they're I, both awful, but I actually don't even know what the second one is. So, did you not see the selfie video where he's like Unlimited? Oh, okay, yeah, that was awful. Yeah, so the second one was a lot worse. Yep. Okay. Hey, and as a proud member of the Ross Tucker Network, shameless plug, plug there. Ross loved the Russ that the Russ Wilson uh, let Russ <laughs> cook though. So he he was he was cooking it today. Yeah. All right. So kind of talking about some of these situations, we were split on Chubb and Hunt. Again, these are kind of situations where is it an overreaction? Is it going to stick? Some people obviously think that Cam Akers is going to take over that backfield eventually, even this year over Malcolm Brown. We talked about David Montgomery. We talked about Tariq Cohen and that situation there in uh, not Detroit in Chicago. But then we talked about Detroit and Swift, Carson and Hyde. Anything you guys want to talk about in San Francisco, Moster is the guy, and we should have been investing in him all along here this offseason. Yeah, yeah. Most, Mostert is the guy. I agree with that. And I know I, I like McKinnon. I'm happy he had a role. The only thing I would say is don't completely bail on Tevin Coleman. I think it's going to be the Niners running back, and he's going to have a game or two. He didn't practice two days before that because of the air quality. So I, I think he was just right. limited in their game plan. And 10, that's the way it 10% snap out. percentage, but I think he touched the ball every time he was in the game. Yeah. So uh, it's, it is what it is there in San Francisco, but I think that was just their game plan going in. Last one I have, Mitch, I want to start with you because you were down on this fella coming in fella. and this fella, and I don't know, you're sitting down, but maybe you want to do a victory spin around because after week one, there is panic in the air. For Austin oh, Eckler. I knew, I knew who it was before he even got it out. <laughs> for Austin Eckler, even though he looks so great flexing those muscles, doing those workout videos. Dan loves those workout videos. But Mitch, do you think there's concern here? Joshua Kelly getting too involved. Do you think it was because of the, the game script, Tyrod Taylor, a lot of different uh, variables here. But what are your thoughts? It wasn't the game skiff because the game was close the entire time. So I don't think that played a part in it at all. But Joshua Kelly got all of the red zone work. Austin Eckler had one target, I think. He had one catch or one target. It was both. One catch, for one yeah. target. And then immediately after the game, Lynn came out and he said, you know, we're not going to see a lot of dump offs because of how we're running the offense this year compared to last year. I think this is a huge hit to Austin Eckler. It's a huge reason why I didn't want him in the first place. If you're not getting the passing roll upside with Austin Eckler, you can't play him every single week on your dynasty teams. Like he is going to hurt you more than he's going to help you, especially at the price that you had to pay for. You can't think that he remains around that one target per game. I, in our, in our projection, we had him right around, I think it was uh, 70 targets. So we did see downward spiral there about 30% loss in targets. There's no way he's going to go through the season with 20 or 30 targets. There's no, the, la the last thing I'll say before Jan, Dan comes in, you know, and rips me apart for this take, I will what just are you say combining our names over here. I'm trying to, you know, I'm doing what I can, but we will know this week. That's the great thing is they went to, you know, a pretty tough game against the Bengals. Now they get the chiefs. They are going to have to throw the ball and they're going to have to throw the ball a lot to keep up with the Chiefs. If we see Austin Eckler with four catches, then I think we have to be really worried about it because this should be a game to where he gets seven or eight with 60 yards and hopefully a touchdown. If he's kept down to three or four, then I don't think you can even trade him at that point. 
Do you think, so coming to the season, we had him running back 18 on our projections. Do you still feel comfortable with that? Because I, actually, I, I do. 18 is tough because with an injury, anybody could end up being 18. But if everyone stays healthy, you know, blah, 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 everything just projects out over the next 16 weeks, it's going to be tough for him to be there. Dan, I have a few thoughts here, but I want to go over to you because if it weren't for your Dak Prescott fathead, your Amari Cooper signed jersey, I think you would have a framed picture of Austin Eckler <laughs> flexing his muscle over there. So what are your thoughts here? Yeah, no, I'm not going to rip Mitch. Uh, he, he's got some solid points there. I'm, I'm a little bit in between here, and I have a lot of mixed emotions, John. This could be a therapy session tonight. I definitely am with you, JB. I'm very confident still with him in that 18, you know, 14 to 18 range. I still like Austin Eckler. I want him on my teams. Where I'm a little bit disappointed is Josh Kelly looked better than we thought right away. I was really hoping for a situation that was going to be Austin Eckler show by default, and we were going to have a mini CMC. And now I know we're not going to have a mini CMC to Mitch's point. I mean, I think that's what the expectations were based on where we drafted him in some leagues. So in those leagues where I drafted him high, I'm really just hoping I had a really good draft overall because he's not going to be what I hoped he was. But I still want him on my roster. So I'm going to trade for him where I could get him. But I'm a little bit bummed for when I had to take him very high. So I don't know. I'm talking out both sides a little bit. That's just how I feel about Austin Eckler right now. I still think he's the guy. I agree with you, JB. He's going to have more catches. I don't think this is by any means going to be the norm because they have to get him the ball. The Chargers have got to find more offense. And when you're looking for ways to find more offense, how are you going to do that? You're going to do more screens. You're going to do more passes. You're going to get the ball in Austin Eckler's hands. They have to. It can't just be Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. They need more help. And there's two points I want to make before we move on. One, I think Tyrod Taylor is negatively impacting him because you look at the rushing quarterbacks and even though he's not a Lamar Jackson, he still is able to move. And that does cut into running back production via the passing game. But at some point, Justin Herbert's going to take over and he can move a little bit as well. So is, is it really going to change? I don't know, but I think the game script is going to be very negative in a lot of these games, because I'm going to be honest with you. I think the Raiders beat up on the chargers. I think the Broncos beat them. I don't know if it's going to be a barn burner, but then I think the Chiefs, they they run them out of that division. So I, I think there's going to be games that the, the Chargers are going to have to put up points. They're going to have to utilize their weapons. And Austin Eckler, he's a weapon, and they got to use him. Yeah, and I don't think Josh Kelly's necessarily the goal line back. I think the, the script, the, the game, just the time where he came into the game, it fell his way. I think you will see Eckler in the red zone this year. It'll probably be a split. Again, it'll be depend on you know how the drives go. Talking about the red zone, this is perfect. We have a comment. Mitch, you're so tan, it's distracting. I was out in the sun all day long today at work. It was miserable, 90 degrees out here, but yep, it happens. I didn't even ask you, and maybe oh. you don't have any. Are there any overreaction scenarios that you wanted to mention here before we sign off tonight? Um, no, I mentioned the one that I thought about before with the CEH, but so there's something that I'm not worried about, something that I wanted to bring up. I tweet about it today, but I feel very confident. I brought it up earlier. When teams played good defenses this week, I'm not worried about their offense. Like Tampa Bay right now. You go on Twitter, you listen to any podcast, Tom Brady sucks, and this offense is going to be terrible. I mean, if the Packers aren't the best team in the NFC, the Saints are. And I mean, going against that defense first week of the season in New Orleans, I'm not worried about. I mean, we're going to see this week, Tampa Bay plays Carolina. Tampa Bay is going to put up 35 on Carolina. I mean, it's just not something I'm worried about. But there's a whole bunch of people who are just going off on, like, the Eagles. The Eagles are getting killed this week. They didn't have an offensive line going against the top five defensive line. That stuff is going to happen. And just 
give it time. These good offenses will catch up. I mean, don't trade any of these players away because of one bad week. Yeah, I'll, cl- but- I'll close that. If I can close that thought out, JB, just same concept, you know, good matchups. I'm not panicking yet, you know, but I, I think there's still going to be some good Jordan Howard weeks. I knew it wasn't happening versus the Patriots, so I'm not just dumping him. He is the only running back in Miami. We'll see if that Miami O-line could get a little bit better. And then Leonard Fournette's another one. Um, I think he goes in there, and I don't know what people expected, but he had like a week of practice with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I think I want to be a little bit more patient before saying, hey, Ronald Jones is going to get all the way, and let's see how Fournette evolves in that offense. I think he could still have a role and be, be a good football player this season. But, you know, if we're six weeks from now having this conversation and Fournette's not getting carries, then you panic. But right now, stay patient. I'm actually glad you brought that up. I I think this is Ronald Jones' backfield. I that actually looks like it. I actually thought, again, if you're box score watching, you think, oh, Ronald Jones, he didn't really do much. He he looked pretty good. Solid. And he, he, he looked good. And this is coming from me, who I don't want to say I was bashing him, but my Keyshawn Vaughn love, it shines so bright. I was trying to dim Ronald Jones' light as much as I could, but he, I thought he actually looked pretty good. I thought he looked pretty good. He's and- a perfect example of don't base everything off like the – June, July workout videos that pop up because his videos didn't look good. They weren't good. I mean, you look at him now, he pretty much looks like the RB1 in that backfield. And I think Fournette is still going to be playable because I think that offense is still going to be really good. Yeah, it's one of the situations where maybe they both, they're going to cap each other's ceiling and upside, but they're not going to completely cannibalize each other, maybe like a Moss and Singletary or what's going on in New England. One thing I want to bring up, and it kind of goes hand in hand with Mitch's tweet that he talked about, but teams that had a new head coach or a quarterback that was not on the roster last year as a starting quarterback this year, two and seven in week one. This is no surprise. We talked about continuity playing a huge role here, especially early this season, among other things, all the COVID, the shortened off season, think it's it's spot on. And that shouldn't be surprising anybody. And I do think we see a gradual shift. But Mitch, I got to ask you, how many times did it take you to get that tweet out successfully today? A lot. And I keep, <laughs> I kept messing it up. And then like, he'd be like, hey, you said that. And I'm like, oh man, I'm going to say Oakland forever, even though it's going to be Las Vegas. And you know, it's the closest team to me now. I still say San Diego at times. So it's, it, it all falls in the same boat here. All right, guys. I, I, I was so jacked for this show. Because I told Mitch, I love talking about the offseason stuff, but once you get into, especially this year because of the training camp situation, once we got into like July and August, it's like, I, I would I would text you guys, what the hell are we going to talk about on tonight's show? But now we actually have things that we can talk about, concrete information, still speculating. So in my tweet releasing the episode, I said, no more speculation. Hey, we're still speculating, of course, but now we have something to go off of a little bit. I'm going to let you guys kick us off with final thoughts. Dan, take us home. JB, in the spirit of JB's rapid fire, I'm going to, we talked so much running backs tonight. I'm just going to give a rapid fire wide receiver tight end take and, and stay on the rookie theme for the most part here. CD Lamb, Jerry Judy, Chase Claypool, they look like they belong in the NFL. Mm-hmm. My boy LaVisca Chanel flashed, so very happy for the receivers there. I'll own, I'll, I'll own that L as well because LaVisca, he looked he looked good. 
Jags need him there. Quinn Cephas will never get 10 targets again. Um, and then Andy Reid, if you're out there listening, Coach Reid, Demarcus Robinson cannot catch the football. Please play McCall Hardman over Demarcus Robinson. And, uh, hey, O.J. Howard's alive. That made me happy after having so many shares last year. And watch Aikens over there in Houston. He, I think he's going to be their tight end one this year. And Warring just hit the IR, but now with the new IR rules, that could be three weeks. It could be six weeks. We don't know. If Dan played basketball with Demarcus Robinson, he'd be saying, keep throwing him the ball. He can do it. <laughs> All right, Mitch, what are your final thoughts for the listeners here after week one and heading into week two? Yeah, my final is just going to be a dynasty take, but you've already seen it in leagues, in multiple leagues already. People are giving up on the season. The only thing I'm going to tell the people that are giving up, we've it's been, been one offered week. One week. Saquon <laughs> Barkley in a league. We've been offered Ezekiel Elliott. Michael Thomas, those aren't guys you trade even in a rebuild. You can rebuild with those guys on your team unless you get the greatest offer ever. Like you could keep Saquon and go into next year and trade him then. You don't need to trade him now and then let someone else accumulate those points. I mean, that's the worst thing you could do when you're trading for a first round pick is make that pick worse for you in the future by trading that, you know, that person a good player. So just don't trade away your good players. Just for the fun of it. I honestly don't understand why it happens in every single league. And it's only week one. The way these injuries are racking up, we thought COVID was going to be an issue. The injury bug is biting and it's biting hard and often. I actually have a final thought here. And it's two things I want to rattle through. Top 10 running back routes run in week one. McCaffrey, David Johnson, Zeke, Hines. I think that's going to continue. Singletary, Drake, Boston Scott, DeAndre Swift, Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler, one rookie in that mix. DeAndre Swift, we talked about him. But then Kenyon Drake, too. Maybe this isn't rapid fire like I thought, but Kenyon Drake, I think that's overblown. I thought he looked better than Chase Edmonds, but guess what? Chase Edmonds got the touchdown. Kenyon Drake, I'm not hitting that panic button yet. And then red zone rushing attempts inside the five. Edwards Hilaire, Edwards Hilaire had six. Barber, five. Moss, three. Gurley, three. Dalvin, three. Jordan Howard, three. McCaffrey, Zeke, Aaron Jones, and my man, J.K. Dobbins, all with two. Those are the only running backs that had multiple carries inside the five. And I think a lot of those offenses, that should continue. The Jordan Howard three, Moss three, that kind of surprised me. We'll see maybe if they can cash in eventually. But yes, football is back. Week one is in the books. We're all smiling now. Let's give it a few weeks when our dynasty teams are in the crapper and we're like, eh, well, Here's to 2021, guys. But we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. Stay safe, be kind to each other, and have a great night.